Chocolate is a Spectrum. So last time we started by discussing a short story from a short story magazine called After Dinner Conversation. And we talked about the short story by David Schultz called uh, Rainbow People of the Glittering Glade. And I don't know if there's much to say about it, but I wanted to uh, thank everyone involved in After Dinner Conversation and the author David Schultz, who are really lovely in making this collaboration happen. And in particular, I listened to their side of the podcast, like they, they do an analysis podcast, and it was very different from what we said, although a bit in common, but it's they explored different areas from what we explored. So I kind of recommend you to check it out. It, it, and it, it really made me laugh. It's a testament of how rich the short story is. Right, to have so many analysis. Uh. I also wanted to say thank you for the Reddit comments. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so first Reddit comment. It means a lot. Should we say that? Yeah, it, it's yeah, obviously. Like we always tell people that YouTube are important to us. So I think like, the first one should have like a little award. It's it's really it's really imp- uh, swaggy and impressive and cool that our first comment on Reddit is by an author that we like. That is true. Or whose work we liked at least. Okay, but so in the last episode, the meat of the talk was about purchases and do they exemplify the human free will? Is is purchasing yes. the perfect example the of human free will? And uh, we did that because it was around Christmas, so that would make Christmas the ultimate free will celebration. So in the first part, we discussed a bit why would you think that purchases are a good example of free will expression and one of the elements you brought to the table was the reversibility of purchases like the fact that since you can easily reverse a purchase well easily in most cases let's say reverse a purchase that means that it is really something that you want yeah and also that you need to make that decision over and over and over and over like the continuous decision. yeah it's a continuous decision and so i got a comment from my brother asking more or less how does the your standard of living factor into that you think that the reversibility aspect is different between rich people and poor people and that changes the free mm. the free willingness of the purchase <laughs> huh. well i guess we came to it from a very privileged point of view Privi- yeah yeah exactly like privileged point of view of like money is not that much of an issue for us if but i feel like if you don't have the money you would make more buying something would be more of a decision at the start meaning you would think a bit more about your big purchase so that you're less afraid of like making a mistake and needing to rebuy it maybe i mean there's also the fact that uh for some people you don't have the time to really worry about what you're gonna purchase or take take the time to return stuff that you don't like even if you're allowed to i'm I'm imagining cases where people might be overworked and in this case Mm. it would be less of uh, less free i mean i mean i think you you can find like multiple example of it's not a decision it just happened for example my amazon prime subscription like 
not a decision. It's just there, and I'm buying it every year because I just forget to cancel it. <laughs> and you can't cancel it, basically. So is that a choice? I'm not really sure. And I think like capital, like I'm not sure if we can say like capitalism as a whole, but the web industry in general went from being very like feature focused in the like 90s, start of like 2000s, to a thing where it's very much like dark UX and making people not think about purchasing and and making. Yeah, exactly. Like making the purchasing decision less and less of a thought and more and more of an intuition and of like not thinking about it or completely like forgetting that you're buying something. So I guess there's something about that that would go toward what your brother said, which is just depending on the circumstances, maybe you you get away from this conscious continuous endorsement. Yeah, but what we were saying in the second part of the episode is even if you don't think about it, it's still some kind of. Decision. Decision in a framework where you don't care if it's a conscious decision or not. I mean, the, the, I really like the point you made about the subscription model because it's starting to be everywhere, and it's a really interesting example about the continuous endorsement because that's what a subscription is supposed to be, right? A continuous endorsement of a, of the platform, whatever. But most of the time, it, you just forget about it, <laughs> and you get tricked into forgetting about it. So if you do forget about it, can you really say it's an unconscious decision? forget you don't like it's forgetting the same as unconscious i mean i guess not like for example yeah no no for sure not like i see my father being subscribed to like many many websites and like he just subscribed to a chess website but also it comes from a very privileged yeah a very privileged point of view where like you can afford to do that <laughs> yeah So I do think that like there's also like the counter argument of what you were saying before is like when when you have money you care a bit less of like forgetting about the subscription. So you do need to take into account like everyone's uh, specific background. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that like when you talk about money, how much money you have make <laughs> a decision. <laughs> like my... it's, it's a bit different. Yeah, changes yeah. everything. It change it changes everything. I guess so. One other uh, personal follow up I had about everything we said last time, uh, because so we put everything in the context of Christmas, and essentially there was a bit of a desp despair vibe, saying like, "Oh, you cannot, you cannot do Christmas gifts without being part of this system." Essentially without encouraging capitalism and that's also like yeah we talked a lot about how you are pressured into making choices around christmas be because of marketing because of social obligations and how can it still be free will if it's so constrained but uh one thing that uh, one thought that i had during the editing is that the the good way out of that is uh that you can have homemade gifts or do what i sometimes do is like uh, give a charity gift on behalf of the person especially for my grandparents they hate getting money so i'm giving money on their behalf and that's the the present they get so you can still do little workarounds that i guess express your your free will without i mean i would never dare give money to a charity on behalf of someone <laughs> i feel it's very very weird to say like oh 
you care about that thing. It's forcing people to care. I don't know, like I, I would feel very weird pushing that onto someone. Well, in that case, I knew that my grandparents cared about that thing. So <laughs> okay, okay, I, I okay, got okay. this, uh, to yeah, be fair, sense. I got this idea from an episode of Friends where Chandler gets laid off and he gives everyone for Christmas uh, coupons for charity that he got from his work that are under the wrong name. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this can be this can be the ideal well, this can be a way out of capitalism when it comes to gift giving. So by the way, recently I've read what is it? Uh, social psychology? Is that the name of the, the field? The social psychology uh, paper that I think you'd probably find funny about the ideas that uh, Stanley Milgram was working on when he died. So Stanley Milgram, everybody that knows him, knows him for this experiment where he proved that uh, about submission to authority, where essentially if someone that you think in a position of power tells you to do something very atrocious, you'll do it. That was the takeaway and that was pretty sad. But during the end of his life, he worked on something pretty different. He was dabbling with the experimental protocol and he did the experimental like, preparation study, preparational studies to figure out how he's going to attack it. And then he died. So it never followed, it never led to anything. And recently, I think like five years ago, people took that work and put it uh, like actual an actual protocol and uh, made a paper about it and that's the paper i read which is really nice and it's about cyranoids so cyranoids is named like that so it's a, a term that he coined it's named after the cyrano de bergerac uh, movie book <laughs> and more specifically about that scene well so cyrano is apparently i haven't read the book but it's known because he's an ugly man but very romantic and so there is this very famous scene where he's in the bushes whispering to someone more handsome than him what to say to the girl he's in love with and like leaving this love by procuration kind of and so Milgram's idea was to reproduce this kind of setup with someone doing the inner voice of someone else and essentially the whole point is does the uh, the interlocutor like the uh, so in Cyrano de Bergerac would be the girl he's reciting poem the do this interlocutor person notice that there's something odd so and obviously with technology improving this the 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 actual technicalities of this experiment becomes like super easy right now and it's very interesting if you think about dematerialized uh, well it's a mess when you think about dematerialized stuff like virtual virtual spaces and stuff like that but let's stick to what milgram was uh, discovering what is the early stages of discovering and that's the thing that's really amazing is that you can put a child inside a, uh, an actual adult and the people talking to the adult will not think something's wrong they will say oh he's a little simple or something like that or vice versa you can put an adult doing the inner voice of the child and they will not realize they will just say oh this child seems smart and so he was playing and so the that's what the studio reproduced like you can change these various social parameters like age but also i don't know gender race background whatever 
And apparently it's really, really solid. Like the people do not question the apparatus. Even when the testing uh, form that they get going outside is like, do you think the, do you think the person was speaking their own thought, was speaking something they memorized and rehearsed, or was uh, repeating something dictated by someone else? And like a child speaking adult words or a world speaking adult, chi uh, uh, adult speaking children words do not significantly score higher on these parameters. No it's amazing. <laughs> But I'm wondering, like, basically what it says is that, like, the form... Yes. The form is way stronger than the actual... Yeah, so you are extremely biased towards the, the, the form, yeah, the, the flesh that you're seeing, essentially. And so... The, the the way that this paper concluded is that it's really good to study, to, to come up with experimental protocols to study all kind of bias because you can actually exchange the, the, the inside of someone while keeping the same outside. So you can see if the color of the skin, like you can quanti you can study how the color of the skin changes the reaction to the same person and this kind of stuff. So now that we have VR, it's a bit more pointless, I guess. Well, it's the same mechanics that works in VR and there is a lot of VR stuff that uh, work on empathy, like a lot of cool VR studies about empathy and putting VR people in different bodies in VR. <laughs> uh, but it's the same mechanics under the hood, right? It's you're changing the facade of someone. But yeah, the facade really matters. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> But what's very strong is like you could do an experiment where you can find the best human form to pass a thought. Yes. You can do the exact same experiment, saying the exact same thing and say, say like, I don't know, how trustful is that person? How blah, blah, blah is that person? Yeah, yeah. And, and you, can, uh, you can have the best exterior. But that's, that's also bad because it's like fully using your prejudged like what should the doctor look like <laughs> and it's like the opposite of uh the, it's like the opposite of diversity right you found the uh, the ideal doctor and you use that to foster trust there's a lot of i feel like i've seen a lot of article about chinese influencers that are using like very strong filters to be whatever like more accepted or whatever and it goes a bit in the same way of playing someone It's it's morally dubious because it's embracing exactly the opposite of diversity. Yeah. It's not it's not morally trivial <laughs> to do this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you can go more general, I mean, there yeah. is this whole skin whitening in Korea and like an uh, like the eye surgery thing to look more Westerner. To it's kind of like. The, the equivalent mm. of this right so that's always kind of been going on like if we just talk more generally about like looking good <laughs> basically like there's always a trend of basically everyone looking the same like if you see like the, the huge trend of like beauty we talked a bit about this more in depth in our episode about fashion yeah which i invite you all to check out right now <laughs> This episode is brought to you by cats. Cats are fluffy and nice. Try cats. Okay, wait a sec. Like my cat is going crazy for some insane reason. So for this section, so it's a it's a new year. People take a lot of resolution and I find myself taking more or less the same resolution every year because I'm on a on a trajectory, you know, uh, which is I want to read more and 
essentially, I wanted to ask your tips about how to read more in general. But in particular, one thing I'm trying uh, lately to read more is to have a dedicated space for reading. Like I think compartmentalization of space helps with the mindset, etc. Obviously, yeah, yeah. So maybe one way to read more is to have the perfect reading corner when you want to go there over and over again. Yes. And since you have a new apartment and you're gonna arrange your space and you read a lot <laughs> how, the, I wanted to ask you how do you arrange your apartment and how do you arrange it so that you read a lot so the issue okay so there's a, I have a lot to say I have a lot to say. The first thing is, I think, big disclaimer, I'm not, I didn't read for the last month, which is a bit like... Okay, let's stop um, the podcast right here and pick another topic. <laughs> with reading, when you start the habit of reading, it's very hard to stop. But when you stop, it's very hard to start again. But for me, like, just like, yeah, I think it's a good start to the discussion is reading when you start a book and you like the book is very easy to go back to the book and read it a lot and then like you're in a habit of reading so you take another book and blah blah and like the the cycle continue basically but when you stop and usually it takes a very bad book for it to stop and you're like I don't want to read that and then you just stop and it takes a while to go yeah. back one thing I, I've read about that is that so if you ever find yourself with a bad book or something like don't hesitate to drop it and don't hesitate to just like drop books as soon as they are boring so that you see a lot of books and you end up finding the one that go that's gonna get you hooked and hooked back into the habit so one advice i saw could be summarized as like don't be afraid to drop things which i hate and i guess other people hate <laughs> like, yeah exactly like when i start a book basically i have a deal with myself which is like finish it now i'm really bad at dropping books i'm really really bad at dropping books but and do I you think that you should be better or do you think it's uh the thing it's no because i was very good at dropping books before and i made a deal with myself to finish every book that i started oh, so you can compare the two so why did you make that deal because i was dropping too much book i was like i make no effort <laughs> right now to finish any books that i found boring and i was not like so i was buying a lot of books that i wasn't finishing and i'm like maybe i'm just too hard on like the author or maybe like my attention span is just too small to actually care for any books because at like at one point I was just reading like 50 pages and I was like that's not for me and I do think that like that's a habit that you take with like tv shows or with movies which is like if you don't like the first like episode or two dropping it is not that big of a deal yeah uh, it's, it's true that we've been into a, we've entered into a culture that's heavy like tinder eyes yeah. i'd say like you sample and drop sample and drop there's a value in enforcing yourself a bit probably i mean from this conversation i'm getting the vibe that kind of like you have a gauge that of motivation that you need to manage and that sometimes you you can afford to take a hit by forcing yourself to stick with a book but other times you need to drop things to replenish your gauge yeah exactly and yeah yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like I should gamify that and make it a website. <laughs> so, so, so that's the thing as well. I do think that for creating a habit, like micro habit, is very important. And with books, the issue that I have right now is because of lockdown. There's no point in the day which is very much curated to read and like i remember like when when i was taking the subway every day to go to work there was no friction there just because it was a habit and i had a book in my bag and like 
and just like I took my book every time I was sitting in the subway. But like that's just my point of view on any habit. I think like once it, something is becoming a habit, like the friction of the point of entry is very much reduced. <laughs> But the other point that I wanted to make is like this, I wanted a, an app where, and I think like an ebook app w would make that happen, I guess, which is like that I could open when I have five minutes to read like one page or two instead of like going to Reddit or like going anywhere else. There's, when I read on my ebook reader, I tend to read way more than when I read an actual book, but I don't like reading on my ebook reader, but I do think like it's like the price to entry is way lower than an actual book. Yeah, the price, the, I think you put your finger on it, the price to entry, the the friction of getting into the activity. Because I've, it makes me laugh because I've recently started to do something that I guess most people would find appalling, I guess. Uh, I've never, like, I've started to move to digital for a while because just I don't have that much real estate uh, available to store books, so it's just so convenient to have a tablet with your books on it. And now what I started doing is reading on my phone. And the reason I've started doing that is to lower the entry point, like if I'm in the subway, if I'm at the dinner table and the conversation's boring or something like that, I can pull out a book and start reading. And yeah, so it's it's pretty much the opposite of what everyone tells you to do because it's like exactly decompartmentalization using your phone that does everything. It's also like, you know, they say, oh, don't use your smartphone at night, etc. Because it, it you have the temptation of Facebook or whatever. It's like also the opposite direction because I spend all my days, I end them on iPhone. But I think it's helped me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people say that because they don't say that like reading a book on their phone is possible like I do think like reducing I mean you do need a lot of um, self-control to not diverge to Facebook or whatever so you need to compartmentalize your phone in a way <laughs> yeah I think like one of the big thing is we need to be aware that like we're not completely self-controlled creature and we need to hack a bit of our brain to like do the right thing and if it's just putting a reading book app on your phone it's fine using using the time where you're most lucid to control your brain when it's the most vulnerable <laughs> there was this cool study of a reading book on like an ebook reader reading book on a computer and reading book on a bo an actual book and like so it was a like reading test basically like there was like okay comprehension i don't know like retention that sort of things it sounds like a, a perfectly interesting study yeah. something i've always wondered about <laughs> So yeah, yeah, so I can't remember the name of the study. I think I, I can find it for the next episode for the follow-up. But I remember... Or for the show notes, maybe? Oh, yeah, maybe the show notes as well. But so what are the conclusions? Yeah, I remember that like there was a big difference between between ebook versus actual ebook computer was like basically grouped together versus like book. And one of the big thing was book gives you more sense, like... Basically, it was just... Well, it's the physicality, right? Yeah, it's the physicality of the book. So you know where you are in the book, in the physical sense of knowing. Like your finger can sense where you are in the book, which help you remember where you're at and like where the story is. You understand way more where the story 
where the story is. But after that, I can't, I think on retention, basically, like just on memory of the book, reading book on paper was a bit higher than like reading book on, on a computer. On understandability. Do you think maybe it's because we are more used to it and that if we developed other... Yeah. No, I, I don't. I think there's also a thing of when you like you have a habit of reading online uh, uh, on the screen, uh, you, you have a habit of skimming through content online. You can't really tell your brain not to do that when you're reading a book if it's on the same screen that you're like screaming through Reddit or like Facebook or whatever. So I think your brain is in that state of like just consuming content. Whereas in the book, like you've never done that basically. So it comes back to the question that I wanted to ask you. So do you think there's no hope of, of compartmentalizing your phone, like having the same screen, but having it be different somehow? So I, I thought maybe of enhancing my reading by using like a phone cover that looks like a book or something like to compartmentalize mm. the phone, maybe have some different background color scheme. I don't know. You could. You could like you you could change your your cover like your phone cover for every for every app that like when you read books you put like a f book cover and when you don't read books you remove it and you put another cover I guess that could work but then the point of entry is like basically as big as like just getting a ebook reader yeah yeah that's pretty much why I didn't do that uh, so I don't know maybe like change the screen warmness to have like kind of like a physical sense of like doing another activity. Maybe there's like filters and I can put my phone in like pink yeah. when I read and blue when I do something else. I don't know. <laughs> and like if you, I mean, like if you read more at night, maybe you can just use as a like night filter. Well, the problem with the night filter is that it's designed to like stop the light that keeps you awake. And I tend to fall asleep really easily. <laughs> so I, I want my phone to keep me awake when I read. <laughs> Maybe you can have a, an app that has a background that is paper-like, papyrus effect. That seems horrible. <laughs> Wait, I have an idea that I need to write somewhere. Which what is, is like your idea? A small app which transforms any book into like Facebook post. <laughs> I want the exact opposite of that. <laughs> no, but not Facebook post, but like basically you enter like it's not it's not like a Facebook like you're not reading on a Facebook app, but basically change like the layout of the book to resemble like a social media so you can actually scroll like to use all the mechanisms that your brain has to skip over content yeah skip through. i mean you could have the opposite it changes the content to the layout with the most retention but what would that even be like it, I, I think it's very much like a visual thing it just like every paragraph is like a post and you're just like it's just ui but it's just design for maximal retention you'd uh, make it into posts uh, basically like it would push i think like the doom scrolling of like 1 a.m until 2 a.m that you do on Reddit, like that i do on reddit could be used to read like a book but the, the doom scrolling you don't pay attention that's the main thing <laughs> yeah maybe doom scroll i'm still writing the idea doom scrolling a book 
app ID. I mean, I, I like the app ID, but I want to do the, uh, I want to use it to do the opposite <laughs> of your skin. I don't want a Reddit theme or a Facebook theme. I want whatever the opposite of Reddit and Facebook is. Something magical, like a book that transports you, a grimoire that transports you to another universe. Mm. Something really immersive instead of doom scrolling. Well, maybe you can buy Oculus Quest and do... I actually thought about that. Like, should I read in VR? But then I'm like, maybe that's just stupid. <laughs> I'm not sure. To be honest, like, and like that goes with the reading corner. You could, you could have like yeah, a virtual reading corner. A virtual reading corner, which is like a very nice place on Earth. But doesn't that like fuck up your eyes for nothing? I think it does, but like now we have surgery for the eyes, so. <laughs> That doesn't seem like a suitable option. I don't know. But so, yeah, really, the, the VR thing, the, the, what I like about this idea is that first, it's very immersive. And second, you bypass all, you know, the main problem with VR is that you can't move. But if you're reading, you don't have to move. But like, it feels a bit crazy to do a reading in VR thing. It feels, it does feel a bit insane. But at the same time... In vacation, when, when I'm in vacation, I always read a lot more just because usually you have a nice view and just because you're outside, it's nice outside, you can look at. And when you when you look, the thing with books... I mean, even more than that, you could read Harry Potter while being in Hogwarts or like mm. you can really travel Ooh. and be immersed. Okay, I didn't think about that. I don't... Ooh. Okay, I was not... Okay, okay, okay. I was not thinking about that at all. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities when you choose your background like that. I was more think. Okay, I wouldn't do that. So, because, like, it, I think it would fuck up the book immersion in itself. Being in the environment of the book... I think it would be a very different experience than just reading. Yeah, it's kind of like the thing they say about movie, right? It ruins your imagination of the place. But you could have, like, I don't know, a deep forest to read Harry Potter or some spacey stuff to read science fiction. It don't have to be the exact same environment. Mm, maybe. <laughs> it yeah. can just help immersion yeah. like that. Yeah, you could read a book on the, on the moon. Yeah. Okay, I was very much like thinking about just like having a beach environment or having like a pool environment or a mountain one. Yeah, but you can have your beach on the on the moon. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, I have an Ocul Oculus Go, which has not been used for a while, so I could try that. I guess. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd even be very like down to do the programming because I don't know if anyone actually did an EPUB reader with customizable background, <laughs> but I I do need to research how bad can it mess up your eyes though because that's my main concern. Well, I think like on I think you would need to buy a very good headset just because of like the resolution on my Oculus Go. Like to actually read, I don't think it's that, like it's not good enough to read. For sure, uh, because I, st I have a hard time, like even in an experience where reading is not that important, I have a hard time reading, like it's very like blurry. So I don't think to actually read a book, it's good enough. Maybe with the news, let's say it's good enough. Yeah, I'm not sure we, I'm not sure we currently have something that is affordable, high resolution and uh, passive enough so that it doesn't break my brain and cause headaches or whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I haven't sure. been keeping up with VR developments ever since I tried Minecraft on Oculus Rift and almost died. 
No, I uh, Minecraft on HTC Vive, I think, and almost died. So I don't know. Do you think we're there yet? Because maybe if we're not there yet, we can just wait, do that in five years, and in the meantime, let's talk about furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Let me introduce this episode's sponsor, Square Spaces. Square Spaces are ideal to hold all kinds of square-shaped objects, but they can also hold many other objects. Contrary to other shapes, you can combine several square spaces without any waste of space. So don't hesitate to try Square Spaces for yourself. No relation to any similar named brand. So... When I started researching this, I learned that the name was Nook, Reading Nook. A reading corner is called a Reading Nook. Uh, so I Google image for inspiration. And I was a bit, maybe not disappointed, but like nonplussed, I'd say. Because it's... Oh, so I'm on the Reading Nook picture thing on Google. When you say Nook, I think it does mean... I'm only basing that on the pictures that I'm seeing, but it does feel that like it needs to be this like little square space <laughs> to be called a nook. Well, so one thing I did was to make myself a little square space, like a little very limited thing where just I can barely fit, kind of like an egg thing, and it does feel pretty comfy to to read there. This part I have no problem with. <laughs> so actually, so. How can I say that? I have, let's let's imagine a two floor, like an elevated bed. And so it's kind of like a mezzanine bed kind of, a kind of thing. It's just the size of the bed. And when you're on it, it used to be very open. You can see on every side of the bed, except the side where there's the wall. And I basically just added a plank to make it like a bit more closed. And just adding that plank makes it really like comfy, way more isolated. It really feels like a cocoon. The cocoon effect, I think, is really nice in this nookification mm. <laughs> nookification yeah. the first thing i noticed yeah make yourself a small cocoon and shut down the openness essentially having a closed space really helps me withdraw into my mind if that makes any sense and it's just like a plank but it really changes the vibe to be honest like i do need like i couldn't read in that little nook just because it's too close so you are like completely opposite you don't for you don't like closed space no it's just that like i need to be able to see the outside like for me like the outside is a very important part of reading because when i read often i look you know what i mean like so i'm reading i'm reading i'm reading and then i'm thinking and to think, I look away from the book. And I think one of the important parts is when I look away for it to be kind of nice. And that was a part of like being at the beach or being at the pool or in the mountain is like when I look away, like for it to be kind of cute and like beautiful. And when you see like reading nook, usually it's next to, win it's next to a window. Near a window. You need a window. Uh, well, it depends on people. Like I feel that you're not really the kind of person that cares about the outside. Yeah, no, no, that's a good. That's a good point. Maybe so. I I wonder. Like in this discussion, right? We have to sort between what's our personal taste and what's universal and might yeah. help the listeners. 
but I, I I do think that probably there's something into into nature. But I wonder still if it's the disconnect with your urban life environment, or you know, maybe someone who lives in the countryside and doesn't work and just chills all day. Maybe they want to have a reading nook that is surrounded by big skyscrapers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Weirdly enough, I don't think so. But uh, no, one thing that I can say about your nook that I do think is an issue is that it's complicated to get there. Yes, I know because so it's it's it comes down to the barrier of entry we were talking about, right? But you want it to be a different space from the uh, from your the rest of your life. So I don't know. The comp the, it's a trade-off, right? You trade complexity of access with uh, isolation because even all things considered, the fact that it's complicated to access will contribute to the compartmentalization <laughs> in your brain. It will, but going up mezzanine is a very strong barrier to entry. And, and also you don't have, like what you lost a lot is that you don't see it if you don't want to get there. I guess if it's in your face, maybe, yeah, some kind of self-advertising reading corner. Yeah, and like that was my point that I didn't make during like the first part of the podcast that I wanted to make is with an actual book, like a physical book, you can put it in your space. You can like actually put it on the living room table and it's always there. The marketing side of it. <laughs> yeah, you always <laughs> remember that like it's there and you need to finish it. But it's weird because like you think of reading as a mellow, calm activity. So you have this trade-off between being in your face and being quiet corner of peace. A reading corner or reading nook that is in your face is basically like a bookshelves and a chair. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's not like in your face as like, it's not neon RGB lights. Like, you know, like, so it's in your face, but like, it's like a calm in your, like it's a calm corner that is like in your face because you're seeing it, but it's not in your face as in, it's like this weird part yeah, of the flat. but I, 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 you know, a chair is just sad. I want it to make me dream and make me want to get there. Mm. So I wonder what is the best decoration for it, for instance. Should it be surrounded by books or should it be surrounded by, I don't know, pictures of forests or stuff like that? Or a lamp with various colors to change the atmosphere depending on what I'm reading. The lamp that is changing color, I think, is a big plus. So all my flat is set up with like a, a basic RGB light. Like having a reading light, meaning like a specific hue of color when when you read is important. And it makes you like it's or, or like it's again like compartmentalization. Like this blue or like red light is made for reading. And also having a very white light to read is not nice. Well, you can have, so I have a light that is very uh, directed, focused, so that I put that on my page and then you can have the ambient hue being different if you want. Yes. For me, what's important in a reading corner is specific light, bookshelves, and a table to put my drinks. Well, that seems like a very low entry bar, right? I'm talking about the ideal thing. <laughs> yeah, but the, I, so, so for me, like the ideal thing needs to be simple needs to be simple it can't be yeah because like at the end of the day like you're reading it's too much David distractions otherwise yeah i think you're reading you're not like the main activity is a book that you have in your hand so it can't be that complicated and it, it just needs to be very 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 comfortable because you're actually gonna spend like one two three hours like sitting so maybe you want it to be like 
blank color, like it's kind of like in the so your ideal reading nook would be the thing in the matrix where you have this blank space <laughs> and you're there in the middle. No, no, I see. I think it would be very like anxious, anxious feeling that kind of blank space. No, but like what I'm saying, like we, we, with a reading book corner, like for me, like the ideal one, like needs to have a bookshelf because like you need to be like the more books you have in your environment, the more you will read because it's that constant reminder that like you have booked to read. So I do think going full digital there won't help. If we talk about the perfect reading corner, I do feel that reading might be one of the most, it's gonna sound very weird, but maybe one of the most natural behaviors that we're doing in an urban space. Is it because paper is basically leaves? <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're communing with nature. You're thanking the, the, the trees that allowed you to read the actual book. I don't know, but what I'm saying is like reading is one of the most mellow down, low energy things that we're doing in our days. And le less hectic, basically, things that we're doing, behaviors that we're doing. And I think maybe the space that you're doing that needs to reflect that feeling of a pause, like a break in your, in your day. Just maybe try to put a chair... On my mezzanine? Next to a window. Fuck. No, next to the window that you have. No, I don't want a chair. It's so unimaginative. It needs to be a bit fancy, you know? I'm trying to make a space outside of space, so it needs to be something outside of chairs. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, and also, so, so that is like, I think that is a big thing, is being able to have warm drink. Just because like reading with tea or coffee is the most like rewarding moment. <laughs> Or, or hot cocoa or whatever you prefer. But yes, you need, you definitely need a space for your drinks or your snacks if that's what you're into, even though you're a monster. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to snack while reading. Well, yeah, you're gonna dirty the pages, but I mean, I... Yeah, exactly. I want to be open, you know, this is for everyone. <laughs> Maybe that's the way I get into reading by regarding myself, taking chocolate, you know, training myself. <laughs> A page of chocolate, a page of chocolate. <laughs> I mean, that would work, I guess. Or like just putting a nice, like in your reading nook, every morning you put a nice pastry there. <laughs> and so like, it just lures you into your... <laughs> Make you want to go. It makes you want to go because like once you're there with a book, you know what I mean? You're, that's that's where you store your snacks. You store your snacks in your in your nook. Every time you want to have a snack, need to go there okay we need to wrap up because time is fleeing do and we I'm starting Fuck. to be pretty hungry so okay. we tried to come up okay i feel like we haven't talked about the main topic but it's well, fine. what do okay. you mean we tried to we we discussed how to create a space uh, the best yeah, space for I reading i wanted to be a space outside of space vr is the ideal but it's not quite there yet <laughs> 
Uh, no, but I feel like we skim. Like I, I feel like we talked super quickly about the actual like reading space. But yeah, I don't uh, know. I it's just a feeling, I guess. Uh, well, you have quite a bit. I mean, you wanted. I don't know. So there's still this ambiguous thing about you wanted to be easily accessible, but not too much. You wanted to be depending on how you feel, either open or closed. I wanted to be comfy and uh, and closed, and you needed to be open. So that's seems to be subjective. Uh, you need it to be visible to make you go there, and you need it to be neutral without visual distraction, I guess. I think it depends on like what you value most, like the reading experience or like the push to actually start reading. It's kind of two different things. Like for example, like the subway for me is a really good place to read. Like I love reading in the subway, but it's not a great reading experience. Uh, this is one of these times where I feel like we need audience contribution and people to tell us what they like into a reading corner and what we missed and so we don't have a good answer about what the reading corner is exactly like but we will in the follow-up with all your comments that you're gonna send on reddit twitter gmail what am i forgetting youtube not daily podcast all in one go without spaces like a podcast that doesn't come out every day and thank you for listening (laughs) 